Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company. Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, folks? Welcome to the show. All right, I'm going to be real honest with y'all. This is like my seventh take, I think, of this intro. It's super hard. I think I've complained about this at least twice before. Coming up with a new, interesting, like, intro is just, it's just hard. I've done like 150-something of these, and keeping it fresh and new and cool and all that stuff, it's harder than you might think. So I'm keeping this one no matter what. Y'all are just going to have to deal with it. And welcome to the show. So with that being said, welcome guys. Uh, Just a few quick things to get into before we get into the real show. Nothing super important. I did get a really nice surprise yesterday. A random little thunderhead popped up completely out of nowhere and dumped a half inch of rain on my soybeans that I've been bragging about. So all that to say, so far so good. Good Lord, keep it up. Uh, that would be great. You know, if we could just get a half inch to an inch every, you know, week or two, that would just be fantastic. I uh, hope those listening also got that rain. I'm sure people everywhere are needing it. So that was super cool. I feel like I did something interesting this last weekend, but I uh, can't think of it. Oh, we took some of our friends out to the ranch. Um, didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, got to show them some cows. They got to feed a bottle calf hold a chicken, that type of thing. So that was pretty fun. And this coming weekend, we have more family activities. It seems like we've had a lot of those lately. We're taking my nieces and nephews to a water park for their birthday. And so that's going to be really fun. And then the following weekend, I'm pretty sure my math is right on this. I think the following weekend is Father's Day. And all I asked for from my wife was a weekend to go to the ranch and just sit on the tractor all day, pretty much. Um, I, 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 yeah, I know I've talked about this in the past. Um, it sounds like something straight out of the Farmer's Almanac. It sounds like witchcraft. Um, but I heard somewhere, and I wish I could remember where it was. I remember hearing on a podcast several years ago that if you mow native grass around the summer equinox, it helps it basically grow back healthier, fuller, and can you know help kick out some of the grasses that you don't want. And so I actually tried this. It's probably been three years ago now. And it actually worked fantastic. And so haven't been able to do, I think the two years ago, I think just everything was broke down. Last year, didn't have time with the baby uh, being born. And uh, But this year, like that's all I want for Father's Day. It just so happens that Father's Day, I think, is the weekend before the summer equinox. So I'm going to be within a couple days. I think that's good enough. And so, as odd as it sounds, and as hocus-pocusy as that sounds, that's what I want to do for Father's Day. And so, that's what I have planned coming up in about two weeks. 
Um, soybeans were looking great. I, gosh, I, I don't think I talked about this when I talked about my soybeans. I don't think I got a good stand of my switchgrass. I'm not quite ready to give up on it. Um, I know it's a little bit slow growing. And to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for when I'm looking for switchgrass. Um, but there's just not much of anything growing in the areas where I planted it. And so I really don't know what I did wrong. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that when I, I ran back over it with the, with the plow, but I had the, all the blades going straight forward. So, you know, I wasn't cutting or anything like that. But the only thing I can think of is that I turned a little bit too much dirt over the top of it. And I don't know if that killed it or if it just hasn't broke the surface yet because it has to go further or what. So I'm not quite giving up on it, but as of right now, it's not looking like I have a switchgrass stand. So very unfortunate. I uh, put a lot of time and work into that. If it does not turn out, you know, if, if the summer comes around, it's very obvious that nothing's growing. I do want to try to do something uh, because that's going to be, I think, a very vital part of my strategy this year is having all my plots screened. And so my backup plan is, let's say, you know, July gets here, which is coming up. Let's say July gets here and nothing's growing. I'm probably just going to get, I think we have some leftover uh, Sudan, and uh, I'm probably just going to throw that in the drill and drag that across. And so uh, if that grows very well in the summer, fairly drought uh, tolerant. It'll grow up nice, you know, six feet tall. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's basically, it's like hay grazer. It's basically corn without the corn on it. You know, it's like the corn stalks basically. So it grows real tall and thick. And so, yeah, if the switchgrass isn't looking good, that's my backup plan. So it'd probably be okay without it. Uh, but every little bit you can help yourself might as well do it. So, so anyway, that's kind of the update with all the habitat work. I told y'all I didn't get to burn this spring. Pretty upset about that. But with the soybeans and everything, so far, things are looking really good for this upcoming year. Just pray that the rain keeps up. So, so yeah, that's pretty much the updates and the what's going on and the what's happenings. Um, I don't want to drag this intro out too long because we have a very important episode today. And I don't want to get into it too much now because we're going to talk about it, obviously, in the episode. But yesterday, this is just yesterday as at the time of this recording, we had a positive test for CWD pop up in Oklahoma. And so because it's been so quick and everything, I wasn't able to scramble and get a guest on this evening. And so it's just going to be me. I don't have like an authority on this or anything. But my goal for this episode is just kind of to go back in time a little bit and just look at CWD and Oklahoma. Like, you know, has it been here? Has it not? Um, you know, I had uh, J.D. Strong on, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation director on last year. We talked about it some. Uh, there was a case close to Oklahoma that we'll mention. And so, again, yeah, like I said, I said I wasn't going to talk too much about it, and here I am going on and on about it. So, so yes, my goal with this episode is just to kind of do a little bit of education, a little bit of where we're at. I don't want to speak in absolutes because there's a very good chance that as this thing kind of progresses, things will either change or get updated. And so I'm not here to like lay down the law necessarily of like these are the facts. I just want to educate people with what's going on because this is a very, very important topic. Um, no matter where you stand on CWD, whether you think it's made up or whether you think it's the end of the world, we're just going to cover a little bit from all sides, all angles. 
and talk about where we stand. And so that's the goal for this episode. Again, I'm going to shut up now. We'll get into it in the actual episode. We're going to hear a quick word from our partners, and then we'll get into some talk about CWD. Arrowhead Land Company continues to grow, and they want to bring you along for the ride. They have agents all over the state ready to help you with all your land buying or selling needs. Big or small, for business or for personal use, it doesn't matter. If you want to buy or sell land in Oklahoma, Arrowhead Land Company is there to help make your dreams become a reality. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Alrighty, here we go, folks. I am going to do my best to speak slowly and clearly, which is not always my strong suit. But uh, yeah, I really want to try to get some good points across. I also want to remind you guys, I am not a scientist. I am not a doctor or a biologist or anything like that. Just a passionate outdoorsman who cares about the wildlife in my area and even other areas, just wildlife in general. And so... Yes, I just wanted to point that out before we go on. So, again, I've been saying CWD, that's what we're talking about today. I should clarify, for just in case somebody doesn't know, that is chronic wasting disease. And so, right off the bat, I want to give a nice, clear definition so that we know what we're talking about, what we're dealing with here. So, this is from the Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation website, and CWD is a neurological disease that affects the brains of elk, deer, moose, and other members of the deer family, creating holes that resemble those in sponges. It is always fatal to the animal, and no treatment or vaccine against CWD exists at this time. CWD has been confirmed in wild deer and elk surrounding in surrounding states, including Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, and Arkansas. Now, as of yesterday, Oklahoma is officially on this list, and that is why we're here today talking about it. And so, so yes, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, in this same article, it does a great job of kind of talking about the history of CWD in Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma, or sorry, CWD was first found in Oklahoma in 1998 in a captive elk herd that was brought in from Montana. Once that elk herd had a single positive test, they neutralized the entire herd and they monitored the wildlife around that area for several years and nothing else ever came from it. No, no other animal got that disease. So more than likely it contracted it in Montana before it came down and there was no more spread. Fast forward to 2019. CWD was found in another elk herd in Lincoln County, Oklahoma. And um, again, the Department of Wildlife announced they would set up a surveillance area adjacent to the breeding facility, and um, nothing else came from that. And then last year, 2022, this was something that I actually had mistaken. I actually thought that the deer was found in Oklahoma last year, but it was not. It was found 2.5 miles across the border into Texas. And so technically, yes, Oklahoma still did not have a, a confirmed case because it was in Texas. 
But if you know anything about white-tailed deer, um, you know that 2.5 miles does not mean that much to a wild animal, especially further west where it's drier. Animals tend to move around a whole lot more. And so, again, they could not confirm that Oklahoma had CWD because it wasn't found there, but it was found extremely close. So, once that tested, once they found that deer or informed that uh, that deer was found, it was a roadkill deer two and a half miles from the border. Oklahoma went ahead and put uh, uh, together a selective surveillance area, SA, or SSA. And so, um, again, even though it wasn't found in Oklahoma, they decided that it was found close enough that they needed to start taking some action. And so um, it has here the borders of the area. Um, basically, it went all the way to the New Mexico border, stretched across a lot of the panhandle, went uh, further north into looks like Cimarron. And, um, and so if you killed a deer or an elk in that area, you fell under the SSA regulations. And I'm going to read those for you. So, um, the SSA now has additional regulations regarding any deer and elk carcass transported out of the SSA area. Hunters who harvest deer and elk within the boundaries of the SSA must process those animals before leaving the SSA. The following items are the only exceptions. Antlers detached from the skull plate and antlers attached to a clean skull plate or clean skulls, all tissue removed. Animal quarters containing no spinal material or meat with all spinal material, uh, spinal parts and spinal column removed. C, clean teeth. D, furnished taxidermy finished taxidermy products, my bad, E, hides and tan products. So basically, it had to be a completely clean skull plate, no brain tissue because, again, it's a neurological disease, and no spinal column because it travels through the spine. Um, So that was the SSA. Now, I assume, because, again, this is all fairly new, I assume that SSA is going to be expanded because of this new deer that was found yesterday. Um, but obviously it's all happened very quick. So that stuff hasn't, uh, been able to come out yet. That's why, again, I'm, uh, having this conversation, but I don't want to release too many facts because I think a lot of this is going to change over the next couple days and honestly, probably a couple weeks. So, so that is again, why we're here. So CWD, CWD now officially is in Oklahoma. So what does that mean? Right off the bat, I want to make this very clear. I do not think it is time to panic. I'm not panicking. You shouldn't panic. Um, states have been dealing with this disease for a while now. We are learning more about it. We do not know everything about it, obviously. As far as right now, there is still no cure. And, you know, the other thing with that is let's say a researcher came up with a vaccine tomorrow and all of a sudden you give the deer this vaccine and CWD is cured and that deer is good the rest of its life. The other problem with that is how do you distribute that vaccine to every single deer in America or, you know, well, the world. Um, It's just not very, just not probably going to happen. You know, think of how hard it is to kill a deer. Um, You know, even using a rifle, you got to be within a certain distance. The conditions got to be right. Um, And so doing a mass vaccination of wild deer herd is probably very unlikely. I mean, look how it turned out with humans. Um, And uh, humans are a lot easier to, to 
um, deal with and reason with than deer are. I don't know, maybe not some humans, but, um, so yeah, so that's where we're at right now. Um, a few just kind of factors, uh, things I want to say about CWD. Um, again, I mentioned it's not time to panic, but I think we do have to admit two things. Uh, one we have to admit that CWD does exist. I know there's still people out there who uh, beg to differ and don't want to believe that, but I think we do have to agree that CWD does exist. And the second thing we have to um, come to terms with is that it is some con, some uh, what's the word I'm looking for, some cause for concern. Now, the varying degrees of that concern that is up for debate. Um, Again, I mentioned, you know, I know there are people who maybe admit it exists, but they take the whole adage of, oh, it's been around for years and years, everything's still fine. Um, and then there's also the other side where people are talking about how it's the end of whitetails as we know them. And more than likely, we're going to end up somewhere in the middle of that. Um, again, I think we do have to admit that it is a problem. Uh, again, 100% fatal. is um, It's hard to argue with that. The, the degree of the, you know, spread and solutions, that's where I feel like there is still some debate. They know it spreads fast. Um, one, one argument that I, or one solution that has been proposed that I don't necessarily agree with is when they go out and they just eliminate entire deer herds. Um, I know they have proven that that can slow the disease, but that is not going to cure the disease. And one quick thing I want to interject here before I go on is uh, we haven't talked about how CWD spreads yet. And so I want to make sure we're clear on that. So this is coming from the Mississippi State Deer Lab. CWD is thought to spread from animal to animal through contact with contaminated body fluids and tissue or indirectly through exposure to CWD in the environment such as from water or food. And so that's why in these, you know, heavily CWD contaminated states, you're seeing things like baiting going away because they're trying to unconcentrate deer. They're trying to spread them out, not bring them into close quarters. They're also trying to not focus them in one particular area. So if there's a bunch of deer out there feeding in a food plot, the thought is that they're at least, you know, spread out eating on different plants and things like that, there's not as big of a chance of them like on a bait station where they're all putting their noses in the exact same spot with tons of different deer over and over and over again. So, so that's the thinking behind, you know, cutting out the baiting, but back to the, uh, back to the, you know, killing off entire deer herds. Um, I heard a really good spirited debate uh, a while back between Dr. Bronson Strickland and a guy who I really respect. I've mentioned him several times, Don Higgins. Uh, Don is a a hardcore uh, deer hunter. He had his own captive herd years ago. Um, he has his own podcast, very informative podcast that I really enjoy. Um, but anyway, so he had this talk with Dr. Strickland and they basically stood on the two polar opposites of the spectrum when it comes to CWD. Uh, Don is more on the, he always calls it a political disease, um, over-dramatized. Bronson is, you know, he's done a lot of research on it. He definitely agrees that it is a thing. It is something to worry about. And so it was a really good chat. But one thing that uh, Don mentioned that I, I do have to agree with is, 
you know, in these spots, like I believe Indiana has done this, where they've come in and basically just tried to level the entire deer herd, you know, kill every animal within these certain distances of uh, positively infected deer. But one thing that is not really accounted for in that is the CWD bacteria or whatever that is in the environment, in soil, plants, whatever it might be, because that stuff does not just go away overnight. That stuff is there for years and years. And so as the deer move back in or repopulate, however the deer come back into that area, there's a very good chance that that um, bacteria is still going to be there. So one thing Bronson kind of mentioned was that you're still spreading, or I'm sorry, you're still slowing the spread because you're taking out a bunch of infected deer. So they're not, there's not going to get it from each other as much. Um, but kind of back to my point, you're not going to cure this disease by doing that because it's just, it's just here. And unfortunately it does not look like it's going away anytime soon. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay, so we've covered the history of CWD pretty well. We've covered some of the factors around it. We might get into that a little bit more. I'm not sure. But I want to talk about this case, the case, the case that I keep referring to. So this is from Channel 8 News out of Tulsa. And it says, The Oklahoma Department of Wildlife Conservation announced on June 6th that a white-tailed deer in the Oklahoma panhandle tested positive for chronic wasting disease, a.k.a. CWD. A Texas County landowner reported the deer to ODWC after seeing it behave strangely. This is the first case of CWD in a wild deer in Oklahoma. ODWC has activated the next stage of the CWD response strategy with the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry. We'll get into that more in just a second. Uh, while this is unfortunate news... It is not unexpected since CWD has already been detected in every state that borders Oklahoma. We will be working through our response plan to ensure we can monitor potential spread and keep our state's deer herd healthy, said Jerry Shaw, Wildlife Program Supervisor of with ODWC. And then it goes into what the disease is, kind of the stuff we've covered already. Um, it talks about how they've... Uh, taken tissue samples from more than 10,000 deer and elk in Oklahoma since 1999. And the Wildlife Department will continue to monitor this disease in Oklahoma and will release any more necessary information should it arise. So, so that's the article. Um, that's what's happening right now. Uh, I said we would talk about the Oklahoma Department of Agriculture, Food, and Forestry. So the first time I read this, uh, I don't know why that just kind of struck me as a little odd as, um, you know, why this concerns them. I know there was recent, recently some, uh, uh, some legislation coming through about handing CWD stuff over to them. And I was always a little confused about that and why. And from the research I've done, it makes a little bit more sense than I originally thought. So that department deals a lot with captive deer herds, you know, deer farms, basically. And as many of you probably know, CWD and deer farms kind of go hand in hand. And so uh, with my understanding is that that's why they are being brought in. That's also why there has been talk about um, handing basically the CWD type stuff over to that department, which again, makes a lot more sense than I originally thought. So, um, you know, 
uh, gosh, there's so many different ways you could go with this. Um, yeah, uh, I, I do believe that the captive deer industry has had a lot to do with the spread of CWD. I don't think they're the only ones at fault. Um, there was a map uh, put out by uh, the National Deer Association, I want to say two years ago, and it was kind of when CWD was you know, really getting hot and heavy and people were getting concerned about it. And it was a map that had like little red dots like all over the United States. And, but there was a big concentration of red dots in Indiana. And uh, you know, it was kind of like, look at the map, study it and everything. And what the map was, was every license holder who had hunted deer in Indiana that year. And so obviously there's huge concentration in Indiana because of all the residents. But what was amazing was all the non-residents. And basically the point of the article was look at all these people who came into this super concentrated CWD positive area, potentially killed deer, and then took them home. And at this spot, you know, I'm not sure if they had made the rules of, uh, you know, the skull plates and, and the spinal tissue and all that stuff yet. But, um, you know, if they hadn't, that's obviously a huge deal. Even if they had, I'm sure there's a lot of people who either didn't know about it, didn't care about it. And so I think we as hunters do need to take some responsibility that we probably had a big hand in the spread of this disease. So, um, again, I do think, you know, the captive deer herd buying and selling deer all over the country. Yes, that's very easy to spread it that way, but I don't think hunters are completely off the hook. Um, and that's something I had to do some research on for the first time last year, because when I went to Nebraska and I mean, nowadays it's pretty much everywhere. Just about every state has, uh, some kind of CWD law about taking, you know, tissue, brain tissue, and uh, spinal columns, spinal material uh, across state lines. And so when I went to hunt in Nebraska last year, I had to kind of read up on it. And I had to come up with a plan of what I was going to do if I killed uh, a deer there. Um, you know, the, the meat is really not that big of an issue. Because basically, as long as you quarter the deer, take the meat off of the, the backbone, you know, cut off your... Um, uh, your back straps and everything like that, you're pretty much good there. Just leave all the bones, you know, where you're hunting at. That's the big part. The hard part is if you shoot a buck and you want to take those antlers home. And especially for me, because I was there for velvet season. And so I had to take a lot more care of the head. Um, it, you know, I didn't get one, but if I did get one, um, and so, man, the, the best thing you could do there, and this really stinks is honestly, saw the horns off, you know, old school style. Um, if you're really into, you know, getting it mounted or getting, well, most taxidermists are going to do that anyway. If you're getting it Euro mounted, which a lot of people do, you essentially either have to, I mean, completely strip that head down, um, completely clean it, power wash it type thing. Um, or, you're just going to have to find a local person, taxidermist, whatever, to do the Euro mount for you. Um, and obviously, if you're traveling, you know, if you're going out of state for three, four days, that could be an issue because then you're either going to have to drive back there to pick it up, have it shipped. Um, there's just a lot more expense to it, especially if you're used to doing that type of stuff yourself. So so it, it, it is an issue. It is a big deal. 
Um, again, I think pretty much every state, uh, I know, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, you're not supposed to cross state lines. That's something I deal with, uh, you know, hunting out West. And so I've basically had to find like two separate processors, taxidermists, all that stuff. Um, luckily, you know, I don't hunt too far away, so it's not a big deal, not as big a deal for me to drive, you know, back and forth. Um, but that's what I have started having to do just hunting Texas and Oklahoma, like I've been doing the last several years. Um, again, you know, this year, uh, I've talked about it. Like I'm definitely going to Nebraska. I should find out any day now if I draw Iowa and it's just something that you're going to have to start putting in your mind in, in, in your plan. If you're going to be doing these out of state hunts. Um, and again, the same goes with elk. You know, if you're going out West to hunt elk or mule deer, same type of thing. You're either going to have to find somebody local or add an extra day onto your trip or something to account for having to clean that stuff off. Um, with the elk, it's, you know, probably not quite as big a deal with the meat because most of the time you're having to pack it out anyway. Um, but you know, basically what I'm trying to say is the days of throwing a buck in the back of your truck and driving home are pretty much over. Uh, I, you know, maybe not over forever. I don't want to say uh, that, you know, I said I wasn't going to speak in absolutes, but for the time being, the days of throwing the buck in the back of your truck and driving home, uh, it's just not a thing right now. And, and even, you know, hopefully you're a law-abiding citizen, but think about it, uh, you can think about it in a selfish way if you want to. Do you really want to take the chance of potentially harvesting a CWD-positive deer, bringing it to your house where you either live, maybe even hunt, um, or, you know, if you're going to process it, maybe you run out to your lease or your farm or whatever to process it out there, you're potentially then dropping CWD-positive materials on the spot where you hunt or live, recreate, whatever. And so, again, if you're if you're a selfish person like I can be sometimes, you have to think about it from that angle also. And so, it's just honestly not a very fun topic. Um, I'm trying to think if I forgot anything. We talked about the history. We talked about the two varying sides. We talked about this current case. We talked about how it's changing hunting a little bit. Um Again, I just want to say it's. I think it's here to stay for a while. Um, I do want to make sure and get somebody on who knows way more about this than I do. Uh, I'd love to have somebody on. I have a few leads. Again, I just didn't quite have time, and I really wanted to get something out there on this. Um, Let people know that it was happening. To be honest, I haven't seen that much. Uh, activity on like, you know, social media and stuff going on around it. I think I've had two people send me the article. Um, I haven't found a whole lot on like the actual Oklahoma department's uh, stuff. You know, a lot of this is coming from, like I said, Channel 8 News and and outlets like that. And so I'm very curious to see, um, you know, one thing that I I saw as a common thread was uh, they're getting ready to take the next step. And I haven't seen much of what that next step actually is. And I I tried to do some Googling before I started recording and honestly didn't get a very good answer. Pretty much all I found was the SSA areas where, you know, you're not allowed to take deer out of that area. And so I'm not sure if that's the whole next step or if that's just the step for now. But as the stuff develops, I will be sure to inform you guys. And again, I'm trying to get somebody lined up to come on and, and uh, excuse me, and speak more about this. So um, I already have a couple interviews lined up for the next week or two. And so it might not be um, in the next two weeks or so. 
but hopefully after that I can get somebody lined up and get somebody on here who is way more knowledgeable than me. So that's pretty much going to do it for this week. I know this is a shorter episode. Uh, again, I, I, it was it was a very research-heavy episode, and so I had to do, put a lot of time into this before I started recording, so I'm kind of running out of time. But yeah, it's a serious deal. Do some research yourself, and I'm going to get somebody on here who can really educate us on this. So I think that's going to do it, guys. We're just a little bit over a half hour here. So again, nice and sweet. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Please share it. Send it to your buddies. Get the word out there. uh, And just let people know that this is something that we're about to have to start dealing with. So that's all I got. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you have a fantastic day. And I will see you guys right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast next week. have the right to the best wireless service. Bravado Wireless provides the best mobile wireless, high-speed internet, latest devices, and customer service at prices you feel good about. Bravado Wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available. See what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern Oklahoma. Let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends, and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection.